Welcome to Muse and Metrics. This is your host, Philippa Burgess. This is season five, episode 15, and today's topic is web sustainability. My name is Ines Akrep. I'm a senior web performance engineer. I'm a woman tech maker, uh, tech makers ambassador. I'm a Croatian living in Munich. Advantage of being a women tech maker member and that, that anybody can sign up to be a women tech maker member with your email and get access to so many of these wonderful free opportunities. Uh, some of them you can just register, like the I Am Remarkable, and other ones you can apply, like the Women Developers Academy. And you don't have to be an ambassador. That's another level. And so welcome and congratulations into the ambassador program. But you really took full advantage of being a member. Yeah, Can you talk about some of that experience? Absolutely. So being a member, so I I discovered actually Women Tech Makers a few years back, and it's a very, it's amazing program. And for me, uh, now becoming ambassador is just one of the ways to give back to the community that I learned so much from, no, Uh, as you already mentioned, so I've done, I'm Remarkable uh, Workshop, I've done a Women Developers Academy, so I'm happy to talk more about all of these programs. And I've also participated as well as held some sessions, some talks at Women Tech Makers International uh, Women's Day. So most of these things have been very cool. There's also, of course, there's uh, so many uh, workshops in general. There is so many talks that uh, Women Tech Makers ambassadors are uh, holding around the world and the different conferences and everything. And yeah, it's just such an ex- inspiring group that uh, we can all learn so much from. So. Super, super excited to be part of this uh, amazing community. So I'm Remarkable is actually one of the hardest workshops I've ever done because it kind of makes you praise yourself. You know, it kind of makes you look deep inside of yourself and find no things you're remarkable at. And to me, that was extremely hard since I kind of have this tendency to surround myself with very remarkable people so then you know comparing of course uh, it's not the best thing to compare yourself but of course that's also one of the one of the ways to grow you know to look up to these people but it was very hard it was very hard to kind of sit there and like think about okay like what makes me remarkable so it's a very nice exercise and i would definitely recommend it to everyone because it's it definitely gives you a confidence boost so it, it does give you a confidence boost, but you have to dig it out. You have to find oh, yeah. it in yourself to speak and and own these aspects of yourself. You no, know, I've been uh, through a computer science degree. You no, know, I, I finished math univers- uh, math high school, then did a computer science degree. So you can imagine studying computer science as a woman as well. It was a very, very uh, in- Let's just go with interesting ratio. No, like you were a lot of times you were, the, well, not the only girl in a room, but we were just a few. And it kind of made this status quo that guys were coding and the girls were presenting and delivering documentations and stuff. And I'm kind of, I'm happy that this came back in my career. I went back to coding. So I was like, kind of, I was like, wait, 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 why did I accept this at any point in time? You know, I, I do want to do technology. I do want to do coding. I'm quite good at it. But then again, I d- did realize that this kind of transmitting my knowledge, explaining and well, of course, like appearing in public is something that I was, well, 
let's let's just go better than most of my peers, you know, who were like, let's say as good engineers, but they just did not have this skill set or in the end of the day, maybe the confidence enough to step inside of this roles. So this was kind of as well how how I found found this passion for for like in, in a way performing, no, in in a way just like kind of standing there sharing this with the community. Now going into Women Developers Academy, the, and it it is something that I've I've uh, been accepted to. I'm going to be starting shortly. I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, what can you tell me about that experience? Because that's obviously uh, there's a lot more breadth to that. Yeah, that was that was one of the that program I actually ran into very 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 randomly. So I was a part of the first edition they had in Europe. And I actually ran into the event application link on some very, well, random website, meaning, you know, I was just searching for a person, you know, just kind of when you, when you find something on the internet and you just like dig yourself deep into, and all of a sudden I just like saw this and the deadline was five hours from that moment. And I started reading and I was like, whoa, like, I love this. Like, quick do this and I was actually very very excited to get into and to do this academy and yeah it, um, basically the idea of it is to empower women developers to of course to actually get on stage to find their inner voice not only on stage actually sorry uh, to get out there based no to to find their inner voice if that's uh for example blogging or youtubing or uh public speaking maybe all of it but just kind of to um you're already kind of an expert in your field so share it with the community a lot of us wants to do it we're just uh, at some point you're too shy or you're not kind of you don't know how you're not sure about something people think maybe only about one way you know when we're talking about sharing with community a lot of people think about for example conferences but it's you can always blog if you're if you don't like conferences no and things like this so it's very interesting it helped me a lot so i did it I think around three years ago, actually now. So it was actually before my maternity leave. My child is about to be two years old. So I, I, I'm just going to go. I was pregnant at the time. So it was around three uh, three years back. So uh, I kind of I did that uh, at that point in time. And it really helped me, um, first and foremost, um, apply actually get some more talks because i was not applying very well no i was just applying for example i i did not get some call for papers because they were i was just going too specific so things like this you know how to adapt how to write your biography how to some tips and tricks about public speaking and all that so it was it was very interesting it was a very useful program and of course you also got uh mentored you you got matched with some mentors you got some one-on-one -on -one mentoring you can ask whatever you want and i'm actually super proud to uh be a mentor on the next one and i'm very very excited to see uh, the new generation so I, i'm a type of person who believes a bit that you can create environment for yourself as well so there is so many times you know i've been in my work, I started kind of feeling, you know, or trapped in something or just, let's say, you know, unhappy with something I'm doing. And that's the moment I kind of decided to pivot in a way, you know, to kind of see what I can do proactively in order to add more, you know, of the 
thing I want to do in a way, no? So for example, now I'm I'm back from uh, my maternity leave. So I was one one year I was on maternity leave. I'm I'm now I'm almost back for a year. And to be honest, I was it's been very overwhelming, the whole thing. It's very hard to navigate. And of course, you can always not do all the stuff. So for example, I've done very uh, many engagements such as this. I've done conferences and everything. And this is something I very much enjoy. But this is the thing I don't have to do. So this is something that you kind of a lot of time have to prioritize with yourself. And in this case, of course, with your family, with your partner, I'm very happy to have a supportive partner who is as well. 50-50 parent who is a parent to our child as much as I am. So, you know, the dad is not taking care of the child right now. He's being a dad, you no, know, as we say that. So uh, basically doing this whole thing uh, has definitely been very challenging in a perspective of prioritization, in a perspective of finding time for everything, including myself, including, you know, this whole thing of not burning out, not doing too much and all that, because in the end of the day, you're not worth anything to anyone if you're burnt out and you're, you're not good. So when it comes to this, I think uh, moderation as well as kind of you can have everything not all at once as well i think that was also one very interesting thing i've heard once and i kind of also tend to uh, uh think this at some point i was like okay you know now you have to decide which one you prioritize at this point in time like let's say which month which week which year uh, and all that so um i would say again like it, it's uh, mostly up to you. So definitely there is different uh, different employees, there's different environments, there's different communities that can support you, that can help you out. And uh, again, for, for me, for me, this uh, whole thing, for example, with, uh, with um, GD as well, I decided not to apply that moment because uh, from what I've talked to different um, colleagues who are also GDs, they told me, look, the moment you enter in the program, it skyrockets. You know, it's just uh, you enter in such an amazing community. There is so much to do, so much to kind of grab grab on onto, you know, so, so many places to be that she was like, I don't think you can really do this with an infant. So this was also a very, very valuable piece of advice because then I can prepare myself. I knew what to prepare myself for. And I took this year off to, you know, to focus on my child on like, well, me becoming a mom for the first time, which was also, no, this is a huge transition in, in any woman's life. So, you know, as much as you're becoming anything else in your life, you know, as much as you're getting your degree, of course, you know, starting a new job, this is a huge, huge leap in your life, it's completely changes. And this was something that I'm very happy I took slowly. And I kind of took my year to kind of settle into it. But then the moment I was back, I was like, I'm back. <laughs> Where do I go? And then again, I guess like this, this is just a bit of this balance uh, that that it's sometimes it's very hard to achieve, but it's very important. And it's a trial and error, I would say as well for each and every single one of us. So I guess there is no um, one universal advice I could give you. But just, you know, again, to be flexible, to be open, to pivot a lot, you know, to just kind of adapt to anything that can kind of comes your way and, and well, to choose your community wisely, which lo like looks that you're doing well no? <laughs> so I think community is is such an important aspect of what we do. I'm in a lot of Facebook groups, which are groups, but they're not they haven't they haven't coalesced as a 
community yet. And a lot of them are people who are at the beginning of their programming journey. And I, I feel like they haven't really clued into a lot of that yet. They're just like, where do I start? And I think they're really wanting to start coding, which I think is admirable and a worthy place to start. And if you're going to work in tech, it's important to know. But I think that the community building also kind of runs parallel with building your technical skills and, and delivering your technical skills. Yeah, absolutely. No, for me as well, it was, I moved, well, not that much, but after, so I, I was born and raised in Croatia in Zagreb. And for my last year of studies, I did a year abroad in Portugal. Then after that, I came back to do my, to finish my master degree. And I did an internship in Barcelona where I stayed for the next around four years. And then from there, I moved to Munich. So it was kind of as well, when you're starting over in a way, you know, these few, few things is like, you just start fresh. You know, you start kind of with zero. I was lucky not to have to change the company in the last, last transition. So that was already, you know, I already knew most of the people from the, from the office I was going to anyway, from different events, but it was kind of, that was already a huge deal. Like you're changing the city, but you're not changing the project or anything. So this was like a huge, uh, huge, let's say, uh, uh, um, well, it was an easy factor in a way, but starting fresh, I remember like, so actually the first, uh, when I just moved to Munich, um, I found one of the colleagues who shares um, an interest in web performance. We were at every single meetup. Well, for, for community, for networking and for pizza, of course, but it was kind of, you know, it was that moment where you just kind of come and you are trying to figure out like, how do I fit in here? Like, where do I fit? Who do I want to spend some time with? And then a bit by bit, I guess as well, I was building these few, well, not even like building this much, but like kind of coming into uh, these different communities because in the end of the day, you know, you have every single one of us has more, you know, we have more aspects to our lives. No, we have, we have, like I say, our, our career life, we have some hobbies, we have all of these and each one, for example, even like those, you know, for example, tandem that the language, I love to learn languages. So basically this, this language exchange and things like this. So there are so many things that you can connect with people on some levels. And this was for me, this was amazing. This was something that kind of very fast makes you feel welcome somewhere and it kind of gives you this homey feeling and a sense of security and all that so I guess I, I had this few times in my life you know for example I, I think one of the actually biggest one was also in Barcelona when I joined a CrossFit <laughs> it was also it was such a you become a part of that community very fast and it's actually amazing because uh, after I think if I would miss the training, like straight away, people will just like WhatsApp me like, oh, are you okay? If, if everything is like, and just makes you this, you know, you don't have to think about it, you know, like, oh, I have to go exercise. Like, oh no, I'm going to see my people, you know, we're going to have a beer afterwards. So it's just kind of giving this community to every single aspect of your life, at least to me as a, again, I'm quite a, quite a, uh, I'm type of people who kind of loves to, I'm the type of person who loves to be with the people. So for me, this kind of gives me a bit of a more energy uh, to, to kind of do these things together with, uh, with other like-minded. I also want to transition to what you do for work. You are a uh, front-end web developer. So uh, for those who don't know, can you just give a little bit more on what is uh, front-end uh, develop, software development? Sure. So basically the story goes that I I was kind of, I was actually very young. I was 
I don't know, 10, 12 years old when I decided I wanted to be an engineer. So, and this is actually, this comes from something I always say it's very important, which is role models. So my, my godmother is actually an engineer and this was just the way, you know, it was, it was always, you know, I quite looked up to her and we also very much look alike. My mom is very confused about this thing because <laughs> she's where she gave birth to me. So, you know, and I look like her, a female best friend. So, that's, but yeah, I was kind of, I always looked up to her a lot as well. And to me, uh, this was, this was a very interesting feel. I was always, let's say, you know, good with math and all that. And to me, I knew quite early that I would like to go to math high school and then afterwards to study electrical engineering and computer science. And well, I, I kind of did it, uh, all of that. And I got to, after I got my master's degree, I just kind of end up in front end because at this point in time, um, it was I was actually searching for different jobs in telecommunications sector mostly. So my degree is telecommunication and information technology. So I was looking for a jobs in telecommunications sector. I ended up finding online marketing. So it just kind of it went everywhere and it kind of landed in the end on front-end development. So actually the first piece of JavaScript I ever wrote was the application for for this uh, for this job. I luckily got the job. It was very, very entry level job. I'm actually still at that job a bit higher up, but I'm still at that company where I started <laughs> eight years back. Now it's going to be soon. It's going to be eight years. And it was kind of so for years, uh, I, I was I was quite drawn to front end because it's instant and it's very much visual and also gives a bit of this creativity as well that you can see things that you can move things around. And it's not, you know, I always when I compare it, at least this is this is my point of view. So when I compare it to backend stuff, you know, you, you write like huge piece of code at the back end and you get like, you know, a number as a result. Which is, you know, of course, this whole thing is is a piece of art, absolutely. But then for me, like having, you know, writing one line of code and have, having something move and, and, you know, dance around and change colors is just something that I always uh, preferred to do. So actually with my background in, in telecommunications and all this part about network, the front end also is about delivering you know how we connect this part through the network how these you know all the kilobytes well megabytes these days go from the server where they of course these numbers get calculated into the actual browser and visualization part and this is actually how i started uh, bit by bit putting more focus into web performance this is actually what i what i do now on a on a a full-time job is actually a web performance engineer. So I kind of optimize website for speed and usability and all that. And during one of the conferences that I was attending a few years back, uh, the speaker was talking actually about the, some of these optimizations and he compared amounts of unused code to carbon emissions. And that was kind of the moment my mind was quite blown because I was like, oh, my God, like, I've never thought about this aspect of my job that I'm actually doing something good in that way. So this was the kind of, let's say, also a bit of a this pivot moment where I was like, oh, let me learn more about this. So the last I would say maybe two, three years, I spent a lot of time looking into, of course, the whole sustainability aspect of the digital, you know, like generally the, the web, how web performs and all that, and how to 
make in general no websites more energy efficient and by that as well more sustainable and talk about more about that when you say the sustainability aspect that's interesting to me and and what does what does sustainable web mean and, and just expand on that yeah of course so we basically it's a very very broad topic no when, when you see a sustainability there is actually two uh different um words that get thrown a, a lot when we talk about it which is sustainable and then let's say green and basically sustainable when we talk sustainability we talk about of course carbon emissions but we also talk about social and economical aspects of the topic no so for example if you're in web development something that would go into sustainable web but does not go that much let's say into carbon emissions per se which is let's say green when we talk about let's let's make the web greener is for example accessibility you no know, designing for accessibility designing for inclusion and all that so there's many different aspects uh, to the topic but um, the easiest way to understand like this it's basically whatever we do online uses electricity and unfortunately, at this point in time, most of the electricity worldwide is still produced by burning fossil fuels. And this is, in the end, how the carbon footprint of the Internet comes to be. You know? So this is kind of reducing the amount of energy our website ha has to, you know, uh, well, use and consume in order to, to uh, display, to process and all that is, uh, let's say, in its core, how to make at this point in time web more sustainable. And what are what should people be thinking about? Uh, is it the people like yourself, obviously, are leading this conversation, you're part of this conversation, but what should people know in terms of the actions they take? I, I'll, in a small way, I'm hanging out with my mom, who regularly reminds me, um, turn out the lights. And she said, children, children brighten every home, you know, by the electric bill. <laughs> but what should we be thinking about related to we just as tech makers and as people who are in the tech industry or as just general consumers and people who we use the phone, we use the computer, we're on the web. Okay, yeah. So, uh, of course, as you already mentioned, there is definitely two approaches to this topic, which is from a, from a perspective of a creator and from perspective of a consumer. No? So uh, let's, let's go. Uh, basically, I'm, I, I'm both. No, and this is something that helped me a lot, you know, from both sides to, to, to kind of know, of course, how to create something, how do you consume it and all that. So uh, I would say in its nutshell, the main issue is that we are just producing too much again. You know, when, when we talk about sustainability in general, not only web, because uh, web is actually at this point in time, digital is responsible for about 4% of greenhouse gases. So this does not sound that much, but um, in its core, again, like there's definitely bigger fish to fry when we think about these things. But to me, it came from a perspective of uh, I do this every single day. 
you know, so why not kind of elevate it? You know, I, I do all of these small things. I try to recycle, you know, we stopped using plastic straws. So why would, wouldn't we try to do some of these small wins when it comes to uh, actually to the web? So this is also one of the questions I get a lot, which is like, why would we even do this? You know, like this is, this doesn't sound like it's going to help, you know, we're not going to save the planet by doing X, Y, and Z, which I'm going to go in, in a minute. But I was like, look, in the end of the day, then why don't you just use the plastic straw? No, it's just it's just these small things that in the end of the day, maybe just helps us feel better. But I guess that the thing here is compounding, no, because it's what in what if one person does it, it, it may seem nothing. But if many, many people do it, then we do it does scale. So when it comes to uh, the emissions of the Internet itself, no. A lot of a lot of times, I think this is actually um, one of the fun parts as well. Is that many people there have this feeling that internet is out there, that it's a cloud, no, and and it's the whole you know cloud branding did not help with this thing. <laughs> you know, people having a feeling that internet is very much physical. You know, it's all of these devices that we have to plug in that have to use electricity. And again, unfortunately, the, this electricity still comes from uh, from fossil fuels. So when we think about it, we have a server, which uh, also gets us to these kind of bad guys that are the data centers. You no, know? we're talking about the, the, all of these big data centers being built, being cooled down, being powered. And one of the things I also like, like always to, to ask as a question is like, but why do we even need that many data centers, no? And I guess that the response here is actually very simple, and this is just the sheer amount of data. So from both perspectives, as, a, as a, of course, as a creator of, uh, for example, of a website, as well as a consumer, it's where um, we very much have to think about what we need and what we don't need. And, of course, try to delete all of these things that are just let's say, sitting there and collecting dust, or in this case, just kind of using this energy, processing power and all that, and are basically not being used. So again, to go to go uh, just a bit deeper, so I don't go, I can talk about this topic for like for a few hours, probably. So I'm going to try not to go too deep. But I guess from uh, from perspective of a website itself, it's just assets. It's first and foremost, all these uh, things that we put on top of the website. So, so many times as a front-end developer, I would do my best to do the website very performant, you know, to kind of optimize all of these little things. And then someone puts a very, very heavy image on there. So it's a very vertical topic that when it comes to web development, I encourage every single role inside of the process to think about this topic. So it's not only designer's fault or developer's fault or, you know, like a business decision. So it's, it's across the whole vertical of the development. So, uh, and then it kind of, when all of these pieces kind of fit together, then it's something that we can, we, then we can actually optimize and make it, make it, um, let's say in, in this case, a bit more uh, sustainable. And then I guess, from uh, a site of as well of user of consumer that's also i would say uh, how much you use it as well when you use it <laughs> can you talk about uh it kind of collecting dust in the cloud mm. is that sort of when you talk about cum cumulative effects uh mm. because i'm i want to do more editing on my computer and my computer just said no you're you're done 
So I'm looking for where can I move some files to the cloud, although the way that I'm using Dropbox, it sort of seems to take memory on both Dropbox and my computer. It's not actually disappearing it off my computers. I, I'm just playing around, but I'm realizing as I go through this, because I'm just doing this massive clean out, how many duplicate files I have, how many old files I have, how many mm -hmm. things that I can just clean. And so is that the same as me making an effort to recycle to actually help if I'm keeping my own house clean as far as my data files? I mean, I'm just one person, but yeah. <laughs> I, I'm finding that I'm still using half a terabyte. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is something that uh, it's, it's a huge deal, no? Because uh, uh, I, I, was, I, I also like to use this analogy of a closet, no? And it would be very, very good if we keep the internet, if we see the internet as something with a limited space. And the problem is that building, you know, in order to increase the space of the internet, we need more data centers. And that's what's happening. No, the more data, you know, the more photos of our cats we have, you know, of our children, whoever, you know, who, who has what, like, or, or like, actually the one I love to use is fireworks because I had so many videos of fireworks throughout my life. And then you, you remember like those days when we did not have the cloud. So you actually had to manually erase your phone uh, to get space for more photos. And this was actually the moment that I kind of like to refer myself inside to. It was like, you know, you remember all of those fireworks, Ines? Did you ever use them? How many times did you delete them? So this is something when I kind of check in with myself. So a lot of these times, and this is something that kind of throughout my life taught me to kind of think before you, you know, before you record or, or even after straight away, you know, even when, even when I record my child, I was like, I record something. I was like, okay, nothing special happened. Delete. <laughs> you know? Not the first word. No, delete. So I, I try to be a bit like mindful with these things. So of course, there is things um, every time I talk about a topic, I don't want uh, ever to sound no. You know, like, no, don't do this. Stop doing this. It's, of course, you, after you've done your editing, you have something that's a great product that's, a, you know, that came from hours of your work, from your creativity. And this is definitely something to hold on to. But I guess all the, let's say, the version one and version 1.2 and final dot one and final dot five, <laughs> no, all of those versions in between are something to, you know, that Marie Kondo would say, thank it, like, you know, <laughs> thank it and just throw it away. So you make a really, yeah. So what happens is, for example, I do a recording and then I download it. That's a raw file. Then I upload it into my editor. I edit it and then I save it as a final. Now I'm also sometimes will think, oh wait, I want to fix that one thing or something. And I'll go back and now I have version two. And then I have, especially this actually less than audio files. Cause usually when I deliver the final, that's pretty much. Uh, but if I'm doing a video, I'll watch it again and then suddenly be like, oh, wait, I want to fix that. Uh, or if, uh, specifically, if I'm doing maps or anything that's a photo, uh, and I'm really kind of lining things up, I'm wrong on that. So I will go ahead and fix it, fix it, fix it to the point that I have five, six, seven, ten versions of something. And and I don't delete those, all those previous versions. And so now they just all are just continuing to not only you're helping me see junk up my computer, but junk up all of the internet. 
and all of and and adding to this need to have bigger data centers. I just recently ran across a picture of a Google data center. These things are massive, huge. Lots so of time efficiency. Yeah, so there's a time efficiency as well as just saving the planet. Absolutely, absolutely. So there's so much more to it, no? And it's it, it, that just, again, for, for me, it also gave me this, mindful moment no and, and this is something again like i like to i like to repeat when when i'm talking about this topic is just you know even when designing a website i guess the main question is like do your users really need this no because there's so many trends that we follow you know again we can make a parallel with anything in the world no with the closets or with the well in the end of the day again contributing to the problem of the internet the gadgets so one of the biggest issue is that uh, so for example this is this is the this is the thing I heard recently my friend told me that her dad had to buy a new phone and it was not an old phone so it was like a two-year-old phone because uh, he could not use his parking app anymore and this is the issue it's basically the fact that an uh, 80% of carbon emission off a device comes from the production phase and then another around I don't know 10 from disposal no, so basically, when you when you think about one one iPhone or, or any gadget in, in its core, most of its carbon footprint is production and, of course, disposal, getting rid of it. So, using devices for as long as possible is something that, of course, contributes to sustainability itself. And designing software in a way that enables a person to pay for parking unless they buy a new phone is an issue is an issue that we have now like these days so this is something that we're trying to kind of push this topic for because it's again like it's not only some of these things it's not only the images it's not only these basic things it's so much more because the, the problem is complex of course no we all know that the problem because if it's not it will be solved long time ago so there is so many small things inside but yeah each each and every single one of us can do this small part in the end of the day of deleting emails as well you know when you when you see your email inbox you no know, the more you get towards that you know, full, you know, 50%, 60%, 70%. And most of these things is junk. You know, it's newsletters, unsubscribing from newsletters. I think that's like so, so important as well. And my my trick, like tip and trick for that, that this is actually Black Friday. So on Black Friday, every single merchant you ever lay your eye upon slides into your inbox. So this is the moment I do my inbox cleaning, my newsletter cleaning. And of course, there is always the one that kind of give you, of course, that give you value, that bring you something, that teach you something, that, of course, um, uh, bring you some news, of course, you know, and, and stuff like this. But there are so many that at some point in time, you know, you subscribed or they kind of got you into subscribing and they're just there. So I, to be honest, I don't have numbers at this point in time, but uh, the amount of emails as well that uh, like, let's say an average person uh, receives a day. It's also like an amazing, you know, it's, it's ridiculous amount of carbon emissions as well, because no, every email also has to pass through internet. It also has to be opened. You know, it also consumes energy. So all of these things as, as well, when you think about your inbox, it has to be stored somewhere. Same as the files. No, everything that's in the cloud, it's actually in the data center. So that's the thing. Like it's not somewhere out there. It's somewhere, you know, 
hopefully, hopefully somewhere where the energy is clean, but usually not. So it's somewhere on a server that's, of course, consuming energy to power because they have to be in this kind of, I think even like a vampire mode. It's called a vampire mode where you're just like sucking energy, but it has to be ready because they never know when you're going to ask for your uh, image. So they always have to be ready to deliver you this image. And there is a huge, huge chance that you're actually never going to look for it again, ever. So this is something that, again, I also like to encourage people when we think about not just the part of developers, but the part of everyday users is just kind of clean this whole thing up. Also, I don't know, applications, uh, all of these things that you can clean up, just deleted, more Marie Kondo's situation, no. And keep what's valuable, keep what you really want. No, in my case as well, like, you know, after a trip, for example, you know, we take a lot of trip, uh, trip videos and photos. And after a trip, I just like, like to go through it. And of course, you, you also get this a bit of a memorabilia. You get this kind of flashbacks and all that. But you also kind of go through and see if you have any ones, you know, with the eyes closed and stuff like this that you just kind of are never, ever going to use. So keep the ones that are, of course, if you have multiple of those or if something is just not that that much, just, of course, keep the ones you want, but also kind of get rid of the ones that are maybe duplicates or, or just kind of extra <laughs> in, any, in any way. It's, it's very personal, no? It's something that, like, now that I, I mentioned cats, I mentioned children, I mentioned fireworks, but it's something it's something that, like, let's say in the end of the day, it works for me. Something where, where you are the one who have to decide where your priorities are, you know, what you want to save and what you don't want to save. And the thing is that in the end of the day, it has a cost, no? It's just, unfortunately, it's an invisible one that we, it kind of feels invisible. So, and, and, and as you mentioned, the thing is that these plans are, I, I still remember, like, my mom always asked me to clean her phone, you know, she would just, like, start panicking when her iPhone would be, like, the, the memory of for, for photos would be uh, overloaded. And it was like, oh, you know, what, what do I do now? What do I do now? And I was like, I kind of just logged into her account and I just buy the bigger plan because it was an euro more. So, you know, it was just like, it was an easy way out. And it is because the, these these personal spaces are actually quite cheap and they, they and they continue to be cheaper and cheaper, you know? So you can get like now we're talking gigabytes, terabytes of space for like some, let's say these days, very small prices. But the thing is also when you put this into uh, into enterprise, it can make a difference, no? Because when you think about, let's say, one of, for example, big e-commerce e sites, how many photos of products they need to have, no? So, for example, keeping your photos of the products that are, you don't, like, have anymore, don't offer anymore and stuff like this, or in the end of the day, optimizing photos to be, you know, better compressed and, and all these things is something that not only can help the environment, can not only make, you know, your user experience better, but can make your bill smaller, you know, so this is also a lot of times when I when I talk about a topic in a business environment is like the, mo the moment you start, you know, talking money is the moment people start listening to you, which is OK. You know, we all have our priorities. But again, it's something when, when you're talking personal is something that you have to see for yourself. No. And it's something to be honest, for me personally, I also never understood people uh, recording full concerts that you're on. So again, like it, it was just something, you know, that uh, I I did it as well at some point, not the full concert, but I would record a song and I was like, I never, ever looked at this. Same with the fireworks. No, I was just like, 
why wasn't I just enjoying the moment? Why wasn't I, you know, like there listening to this, you know, like the performer I paid so much to see these days. And it was just like, okay, no, <laughs> I will stop doing this because I just end up deleting these, these, because of course you can get so much better video from, from the, the internet in the end of the day that someone else took or well, the professional, whoever they paid to do it. And you're there, you're in the moment, you should be enjoying that firework, that concert and all that, and not, not, not recording it and storing it somewhere you're probably never going to look at. But then again, this is me. This is something I learned about myself throughout the years, because I guarantee there is someone out there that does look at this. So if you're the person who is listening to this and you're looking at this video, don't delete it. If it brings you joy, don't delete it. <laughs> so these are really important things. So we're talking about emptying out your your storage, but more specifically where we use our store, where we max out our storage, and then we all kind of lean into cloud storage and looking at those photos, looking at those videos, those videos take up a huge amount of space. I know this because I'm now editing and recording videos. Videos are massive data hogs. Mm -hmm. And then uh, looking at your email and ways that we just collect emails and just don't delete them even though they're well past their sell-by date. Even if we don't need that newsletter from three years ago, which I guarantee I have. So I, that, no, I really, honestly, when I saw uh, that you were into web sustainability, I didn't really understand what that was. And I, I'm very joyful to learn about it, how much those micro efforts add up and how we collectively can do more to pull things out of this perceived invisible space that we all are taking up and, 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 and treating it like the basement or the attic. Yeah. It was, and I told you like in the story. So for me, it was a, it was a mind blow when I, when I just had this realization, no, it was also, I was like, Oh wait, like, you know, I, you just never think about it. And this is why I also like, I've, I've been for the last year i've been trying to you know of course do as much as i can when it comes to like speaking on the conferences about this topic just to kind of raise awareness because every single time i get a similar reaction to yours which is like oh my god as well you know it's like i just had no idea that you know it's even there that this is even a thing and it's actually at the end of the day it's very logical no and like when you think about it it's so it brings it brings many values. So when I was actually I was doing a workshop on the topic with a client, and I have this slide with all the benefits it brings. And every single time I challenge everyone, I was like, please let me know. And I was like, right now, or you can like email me or you know, whatever in, in three weeks, if you think of something, why wouldn't you do it? You know, I kind of provide them with all the optimizations, all the stuff that you could do. And I was like, okay, so these are the benefits. And can you have like, can you tell me a drawback of this? Like, why wouldn't you like to have this? And so far, I didn't get anything. <laughs> so we're still only on the benefits because I don't know. In the end of the day, when you think about it, it kind of all boils down to user, which is us. No, we are the users of many of these websites. We are the ones who are as much as we are creators, we are also the consumers. So for me providing the best user experience is somewhere where it kind of started with and of course me being a huge rage clicker as well you know this is kind of why i also put so much you know uh passion into web performance is like i i do want this to be fast you know to for, for you to get like i hate when i cannot read something i just want to really like you know i'm in a metro i want to read an article and of course because of so many things are on the website i just cannot do the basic thing i'm supposed to be doing i want to do on this website 
So it kind of started with that, and it kind of just kind of it's well, not not merged, but it I'm missing a proper word, but it just kind of went into like the flow went into this whole sustainability and they like they kind of overlap the performance and sustainability overlap a lot no so there are some of the topics so for example one of the big topic when it comes to sustainable web design is actually hosting on a green host no so these are the type of data centers that are hosted with the clean energy so you can actually decide which host you're, of course, host going to host your website. So if you choose, let's say, a green host, your carbon footprint is definitely going to be lower than if you choose choose a, a non-green host. So this is something that probably won't improve your performance, but it will benefit the the sustainable part of the web. And then, of course, there is some some other things that will benefit performance, won't benefit uh, won't won't benefit sustainability, but in 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 a nutshell they're quite overlap so optimizing for one basically making site more focused more lean you know more kind of minimalistic is something that kind of benefits for for all of these topics and so i, I there's something to be said for uh the ability to ha you know sort of clean house clean mind hmm. and i think that you can say that to sort of clean clean website and and clean web, clean storage, clean email also creates to a cleaner mind. You're not, you don't have so much clutter coming in. Very much, very much. No, this is in the end, in the end, what we definitely advocate for is this, it's a focus. No, because first thing I always say as a strategy for, for uh, making web more sustainable is defining the purpose of the website. Because a, a lot of times we we get lost in everything that we can do that we, you know, we just lose focus. And this is, again, it's, I guess like we've all suffer from this and it's something that it's very much in every aspect of our life these days. No, it's so much, uh, of course, so many uh, things um, competing for our, our attention is it's so easy to lose focus. And let's say, you know, if you're designing, for example, again, an e-commerce, what you want it to happen, you want a user to buy something. No, so like you want them to convert, you want them to to find something fast, to put them in the in the card and to check out, to pay for it. And this is the journey you want to be as smooth and like as fast as possible, because I can again, I, I'm a user of many e-commerces and I'm going to give up. I'm just going to go to someone else if I cannot do this. You know, if I, I don't know, my PayPal doesn't go through or whatever of these things, some of these things, or if something takes a long time or if I cannot search well for something, I'm just going to go to someone else. And I think this is, again, in this age where most of us, you know, uh, I was raised with a computer. And and I guess like most of my, my, my friends and colleagues as well, like generation-wise, we were raised with computers, of course, slower computers. But at this point in time, we're, we're used to having everything instantly so this is kind of you know not designing in a way and of course again a lot of times what i see as well is when it, when it comes to shift of the focus is trying to copy as well you know oh the competitor has it let's put it in or i don't know it's the newest thing you know it's the newest technology but i was like you know you, you don't need it you know, like it's, <laughs> it's not something that you will benefit from you can actually only add clutter to your website but by using something like this so i think there is a lot of times where you know we have to sit down let's say if, if in the end of the day we are the best business owner we decide we need to sit down and decide what do we want you no know, like what do you want what is the focus 
who is your target group, of course. And in the end of the day, you know, what's the purpose of the website? What do they, we want them to do and how to achieve it? Because of course, if we start bombarding them with everything from all the, all the, all the places, making it hard to load, waiting forever, people will leave. No, and this is, again, this is not what you would like to happen. <laughs> okay, so um, I, I can just, uh, I can I can go through this like to very basic. So when we when we talk about web development, we, of course, we have different roles, you know, which I touched upon a bit when I was t like talking about the verticality of the topic, you no? Know? So let's say we want to make a, website no the first person of course has to be some kind of product owner no so there's someone who has to decide what this website is about what goes on it and all that so then we will probably have some kind of let's say business analyst that will take this ideas from the product owner and transfer them into some let's say technical specifications so how much where what are the kind of let's say maybe edge cases and things like this and then after that, we go a bit deeper into the technology stack. No, so we're probably going to have some kind of architect. We're going to have a front end developer, back end developer, and of course the design part. No, so design part we uh, we usually divide into UI and UX. And I think this is something that is also very important to make a differentiation between between these two because a lot of times it's put in the same bucket. And it's not the same. So U, UI is user interface and it's how it looks, you know? So it's all that, the fonts, the colors, the just kind of this look and feel. A lot of times, you no, know, you can hear it uh, being referred as branding, you no, know, as just, again, so for sometimes, you know, they will say like, make it sexy and things like this, you know? So these were these some of the requirements you get, of course. But I would say this is the type of the UI. And then you have the user experience, which is psychology. This is the part that I was also saying about these user journeys. So who is our user? How do they think? Um, where do you place a button? Uh, when you click a button, what happens? All of these interactions are actually user uh, experience. No, this is this kind of how does user navigate on this very pretty design page. And then, of course, we have a backend and a front-end developer. So backends are usually uh, responsible for everything that happens on a kind of server. So databases, processing, all this, let's say, kind of heavy work, I would say. And then once this comes to the front-end, it gets, of course, front-end developer is the one that, let's say, displays it nicely in a way. So the front-end is the one that implements UX and UI. So it makes it you know, pretty. And then of course it's in charge as well of all of these interactions, how to implement those. No. So recently, of course, there is front end became a very, very broad as well. No, we, a lot of people probably heard about the frameworks, no react angular stuff like this. So uh, the thing is it kind of grew that front end and everything actually front end is everything that happens in the browser. I think actually that's the, that's the easier way to explain it. So it was kind of getting, heavier and heavier and now we're kind of going back because of this whole uh limitations of course with the phones with everything we're going a bit back to kind of making everything that's happening in the browser smaller and kind of trying to do all of these things back on the server so it's actually it's interesting because it's just back and forth in this trend of development as well now as, as, as everything else. But hopefully this kind of gives a bit of an overview. Uh, and again, like so, the, for, for example, my role, which is uh, web performance, uh, mostly goes on the level of front end. 
So this is kind of, I came again from the front end. This is where I kind of did a lot of my work. But then again, um, as a web performance consultant, I tend to kind of integrate and make a connection with every single of these roles and try to help them make, let's say, better decisions when it comes to performance of the website from what they can do. You know? Because let's say um, you want to... Um, but okay, so torn in my tie for most of my developer life, the carousels. No, when you open a website, there's the slider with four slides. So there is a lot of scripting, JavaScript happening. So there is a lot of code there. There's usually three to four slides, which are always very, very big images. Most of the users never even come to the fourth one, but you're still loading like a megabyte of image anyway. And this is something that from a developer perspective, Developer can optimize this to make images lazy load and things like this. So, which means uh, load just when they enter. So they're not loaded until you actually click and enter. But the person who actually has a control over it is the product owner, is the person who say, you know what? I want a carousel over here. And they're the one who have to be aware of the cost. So how much in bytes this costs and what these bytes mean. If these bytes mean lower performance which can mean lower conversions in the end of the day google penalizes you for this it means more carbon emissions and all that and this is something that a lot of times it's not taken consideration and we're trying to push this topic forward to make it something default something that people just think about it when they develop there are so, so many small, like in the end of the day, there are so many small things like this. And I can tell you, so for when I was building my own personal website, well, I, I think it's maybe a bit over-optimized, but this is some, some of the decisions, you know, when I'm, most of my, my career, I've been working on very large projects and it takes so much time to push anything through. You know, you, know, you need like four or five, six approvals for so many different people to do something. So for example, one of the things, you know, we're talking branding and, a lot of times this means colors, this means fonts, and fonts are the ones as well that can get very heavy, you know, because these web fonts, you take, you know, the bold version and italic version and this version and that version. And then, of course, if you don't optimize fonts and you, for example, include all the letters from different alphabet that you may not need, for example. So there is so many optimizations that can be done on every single aspect of the website. And this is, again, why our role comes in, because this is not something that you think about, like, every single person by default. No, like, actually, the, the topic is becoming so large that it's very hard to keep a track on it unless you actually work on it full time. There are so many like small things we've seen working on so many different projects that of course we can apply to to now like the newer project. But yeah, like, you know, for for let's say days you work on a topic and then you realize what's happening and it's such a weird, you know, behavior that you never even thought it could be there. So like, again, it's a very, to me personally, it's something very interesting. It's like, I, I don't write code at the moment, but it's a lot of engineering, a lot of problem solving, a lot of analysis. So it's kind of, it's also like very, very uh, interesting. When it comes to AI, you know, I'm, I personally think that, again, it has to be used mindfully and it can it can do amazing things no so i actually recently got my you know mole on my bag detected as potential melanoma because of ai no and of course so stuff like this it was all good but still <laughs> it's in the end of the day this is something that it's it's amazing no like diagnose like 
going through this whole, for example, diagnosis and stuff like this, doing something again, like on this huge data set is great. You know, it can save lives in the end of the day. But now, you know, generating images <laughs> of cats, <laughs> it's just, again, it's, it's how you use it with all of these things it's how you use it for what you use it and and this is something that it's it's, it's a huge you know i guess a, a topic and discussions around it so when it comes to sustainability as well as a topic it can definitely make an impact because ai's are already uh, uh trained to to actually detect this is also one of the things when it comes to green software is that what you can do so as i said uh, what's happening is that we use electricity, you know, which is generated by burning fossil fuels, not everywhere and not all the time. No. So depending if let's say if we have a very sunny day, the amount or of course, it's during the day and not during the night, amount of solar energy in the grid is going to be higher than the amount of fossil fuels. Same with the windy days, same depending on the on the, on the country as well. No. So for, I think Iceland is actually one of the countries with the cleanest energy. So like if you're doing something in Iceland, in theory, you can do whatever you want because it's such a clean energy that you're actually not emitting that much as if you were doing this somewhere else. So I guess this is one of the things as well when it comes to AI. So AI, uh, what you can do as well is you can do this time and spatial shifting. So you can move some of your processes to be done at a different time or on a different location depending on this how clean the energy is at the time or at the space. And there's AI that can predict those things, for example. So again, there is many things that can be used for good, but then again, just it, it's in the end of the day, how you use it, you know, for what you use it, how you use it. And of course, a lot of that, a lot of these come from training. And then of course, the ethical part of training these models on, on, on a, on data. Yeah, I hope, I hope I, uh, of course you learned a bit about green web, about sustainable web. So this is, again, this is topic I'm, I'm very much, uh, interested in. I think it's very important as well. So we're all web users, consumers on everyday basis. So I guess my biggest goal here is to educate, you know, is just to kind of go, go around to talk about this topic, to kind of see, you know, to, again, just to educate because most of the, most of these decisions when they're make when they're made is because you don't know a lot of time, like how many times in my life I've made a decision because I, you know, that was maybe not the best decision just because I did not have all the knowledge. No one from us can have the knowledge. So this is something that I really kind of like doing it's just going around especially for example uh as well where i kind of found my space as well so i definitely enjoy technical part of this whole thing but since the whole verticality there is so many uh parts as well so many roles to cover other than developers so talking through you know um to for example uh community such as women tech makers it's what gives me as well access to you know product owners and ux and ui designers and not, not just you know the techies so this is also very nice platform to to kind of again spread awareness about this topic so yeah if you're listening to this again Google, Google the topic. There is so much resources about it. Sustainablewebdesign.org is definitely a, a, a good place to start when it comes to topic and then uh, so many more. And yeah, I guess from all the topics we touched upon, I would say uh, 
get to your communities, choose your communities wisely. They're very important. Then I would say, what, what else would we touched upon today? You know, be flexible, pivot, I guess, you know, make your own as well, make your own path. I think this is also something that's, um, that's very important here is uh, we can all sit and, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm not happy. Like you're the one who holds the change in your hands. No, again, use your community, use your network, or just kind of try to figure out how you can, you know, proactively get some other things. No, this is the topic we actually pushed inside of our company, like the company I work with. So, you know, when, once I figure out this topic, we kind of pushed with few colleagues, we pushed this topic and now we'll get to work on it every day. So this is not the role that was existing. So like you're the one who can also open the role for yourself. And yeah, educate about Green Web. Delete those firework pictures. <laughs>